You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, we're back on Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, of course, I'm Andrew Work. Then we had Andrew Sullivan. Then we had Andrew Lau from Collier. And now we go to Andrew Collier, Managing Director at Orient <laughs> Capital Research. It's a four. Four might be the max we've ever done here. You know it's a good day. Andrew Collier, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. All right, great to have you on. Uh, we're talking about what's going on in China. Uh, we, you know, kind of, kind of kept the uh, first part of the show China light because we knew we were going to have our uh, mainland China superstar coming on. Uh, tell us what is on your mind. Everybody's kind of looking at, uh, you know, kind of one of our headlines today was about the consumer uh, prices have come down uh, both year on year and from last month. Uh, it seems like there's going to be some more incentive for the Beijing government to maybe juice up the market at some point. Yeah. Well, there was a comment uh, that the leadership made about stability, but they also used the word progress going into 2024. And that's being read as a sign that they're now switching their focus from financial stability, which was basically getting rid of the property sector, to trying to goose up um, demand and the economy itself. I don't know quite how they're going to do that. And a lot of what I've seen so far is an effort to convince consumers that even though they're losing their shirts on property, they should still go out and spend money on consumer goods. So there's some question in my mind of how effective that is, but there is definitely a change in tone going on in Beijing going into the next year. Do, do you think they're done kind of beating up on the property market? I mean, is there, is there even going to be some support for the property market in the near term? Well, they claimed that they were going to, they had a list of 50 companies, or at least there were rumors that they were going to support. But uh, the, the chances of Beijing stepping in and providing enough uh, loans to make those 50 companies survive is very thin because. Uh, the leadership, Xi Jinping and others, have been very firm about their attitude that the property sector has grown too large and there's too much overbuild. And so they've been cutting back quite strictly. So um, I haven't seen any measures so far that would move the needle. There was a talk about, or there is a policy of a trillion yuan and bonds that will go out, uh, but uh, that's 130 billion US. That's really kind of uh, a drop in the bucket compared to the total debt of the sector. The, the property developers. So we have yet to see anything significant because I think that the Beijing is very convinced that they have to shift from property to uh, other growth drivers. And they're hoping tech will do that, although I'm not so sure that's going to be terribly effective either. So, I mean, if, there's, if there is this uh, pairing back of, of uh, reliance on the property sector, uh, what you know? How how should we think about it? Should we think about it like the government is like got companies that it doesn't like in its crosshairs and it's taking them out one by one, or is it more a question of the government just stepping back and saying we're not going to support you like we used to and let something like a you know like a some, something like a market economy uh, do the pairing for them some form of you know creative destruction, or is it them just well, taking I out people they don't like? Uh, I, I'm convinced that there was real wor worries that the capitalist property developers were getting too big for their britches, similar to Jack Ma and Alibaba. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was genuinely a concern that there was a property bubble, just like the United States had 15 years ago or so. Um, so who the people in charge of picking the winners and losers are really local governments. 
they're now have been responsible for much of the restructuring of the property sector and they're struggling because they don't have a lot of money and they're they're going to the banks and begging for some extra capital so the the goal up to so the past year has been to try to save projects that are near completion so at least they can get some housing in the hands of people who paid for stuff um, that's a tricky thing to do, but that's what the local governments have been focusing on. Um, there's no chance of going to a free market because um, basically that would probably get us back to a property bubble again. Uh, they, they need to allow small businesses to flourish if they're going to allow the economy to grow, but I don't see that happening either. I mean, I mean, you know, how do you get free small businesses to flourish? Typically, you know, in a lot of cases, just getting out of the way and letting them get on with it. But I mean, I don't think there's any such thing as a national plan to reduce, for example, red tape or fees associated with small business. Well, the main thing is access to capital. And uh, the state banking system has always favored state companies and large companies because they're safer, basically. And of course, there's vested interest in the state sector. Alibaba and Ant Financial were very good at distributing loans to small business, but they got cut down to size and the Ant Financial IPO was canceled. Mm-hmm. So now the, the banks are being asked to send a, to lend to small businesses, but a lot of the banks are nervous about that because these small businesses are, are running into a lot of headwinds in terms of the exports and, and so forth. So it's kind of a lose, lose, lose a circle going there. And, and unfortunately, and the gig economy, which is a small business in some cases, um, was cut back and they had a lot of jobs. So I'm seeing a lot of own goals on the Chinese side and I don't see any light in the, t- in the tunnel yet. Yeah, yeah, and I guess a lot of those banks aren't really, uh, you know, g- given they don't have a history of it, they're not very well equipped to assess risk in small businesses that would make them confident in, in extending more capital to them. Um, are, are there any bright spots in this? Are there any provinces that seem to be, you know, making making moves on their own that might be able to help their economy and make them, uh, you know, something to look at for investors? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the EV market has been a huge success story. I, I think there was a lot of wasted capital 10 years ago when the provinces were competing in the auto in- industry. But now we've got some really good companies and great battery makers, CATL. Um, they're facing headwinds from the EU because the EU feels that this this competing with their own domestic automakers and there's and they there have been subsidies. Um, Guangdong, I'm hearing very good things about Guangdong because they've been investing for a number of years in other industries and they have some very bright lights in terms of sh- in Shenzhen and AI and high tech sectors. Um, other provinces from a friend of mine who knows a lot of the strategic planners is telling me that a lot of provinces keep churning out plans for expanding uh, buildings and infrastructure, which is a, not going to go anywhere. But Guangdong is one of those places that's doing well. And they also have Xi'in. Uh, the clothing exporter is a huge uh, superstar, and they have a substantial presence in Guangzhou City. Uh, uh, two districts is filled with people making clothes for Xi'an and for the export market, even though it's a Singaporean company, technically. So hmm. there are some bright spots. Okay. And I mean, I, good for Xi'an. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about uh, Chinese online retailers uh, ta- kind of cracking the U.S. market by by now working directly with uh, taking orders from U.S. consumers. Um, but I mean, could that could that change if, if somebody in the United States all of a sudden gets a bee in their bonnet about this company? And, and I know Xi'an's probably on their radar. I've heard them talked about before in U.S. circles as, as a company that politicians might want to beat up on. Um, you know, is, is, is the national level government in China doing anything to kind of m- cool down the political situation? Well, I, I totally agree with you. She and I think might be in trouble. It might be a lot like Ant Financial, where it's going to look really bright and the you know IPO is going to be huge and all that kind of stuff, and then they get cut down to size by the United States. 
Um, I do think that the uh, Xi Jinping has made efforts to mollify the global audience. Uh, that San Francisco, for our conversation with Biden, was very positive. Um, he, she, uh, she went to the Shanghai Stock Exchange. Um, and there's a lot of noises in Hong Kong and in Beijing about trying to encourage foreign investors to come in. A lot of provinces are sending their uh, FDI people to the United States. The problem is that there's no actual policy change. And if you go to any financial conference, um, that all the investors I speak with, they say, well, look, these are great moves, but let's see some change. Let's feel, feel comfortable with our security there. Let's feel comfortable that the, we're not going to lose access to our assets in China. And there hasn't been any actual change in policy. They're, they're looking for symbolic moves, mm. but no fundamental change. Right. Th things that would make investors say, yes, I'm comfortable going back to China to pull the trigger on investment decisions. Right. Exactly. Huh. Okay. Um, well, Andrew Collier, uh, we've got a couple of seconds left. Have you got one more? If you're going to say one bright spot in China for 2024 that you've got your eye on, what would that be? Well, AI and, you know, tech and EVs and batteries, those are the areas that are a success. They're pretty small in terms of the macro economy, but they, you know, China's done a good job on that. Okay. AI tech and batteries is the bright spot for 2024, according to Andrew Collier, Managing Director at Orient Capital Research. Thanks for coming on the show. 